the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Everyone and welcome to the show. I'm with Dr. John Phillips, and today we're going to be talking about shocking things your patients and doctors say during consults. Also, how you can make the most of a medical consult with your doctor. So, get your questions ready. Call in if you are listening live and join the discussion. Write down this number. I'm going to say it twice. Here we go. One eight 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 three six seven five three two nine. One eight 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 three six seven five three two nine. And as always, we kick off the show with something inspirational. Dr. Phillips, what do you got for us today? Kim, first of all, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Uh, I I'm so glad we're to, here. <laughs> I can't wait to hear how your week was. Uh, but I just got back from a soccer game with my son. And actually, right after the show, I got to head out for another one. So I thought a, a quote from probably one of the greatest soccer players ever would be uh, thought inspirational and apropos from Pele. So this is about success, right? So we're always trying to get better at what we do. So Pele said, success is no accident. It is hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, sacrifice, and most of all, love of what you are doing or learning to do. And I think that really dovetails nicely into what you do, Kim, with respect to helping patients with PAD and what we physicians do uh, with respect to helping folks with cardiovascular disease and, and, and saving the piggies, right? Keeping the toes on the feet. Exactly. And I can tell you with the way to my heart, where we help those patients that have that restricted blood flow in the legs due to plaque buildup called peripheral artery disease, that it, it the doctors that are aligned with us are really those that are the poster children of exactly what you said with that quote that are literally on 24 seven, constantly trying to learn something new, always on the cutting edge, always being inspired to do more and more and not letting what they don't know and have never done before get in the way of saving those piggies. They're always just giving those patients the best chance at a better quality of life. And one of those doctors is actually on the line too. We have Dr. Kirk Minkus who's here, who's actually sitting in his clinic, getting ready to do patients on a Saturday. Those patients who can't get time off work, can't get a friend or a family member to drive them during the week. I don't know. Do you take any time off, Dr. Minkus? (laughs) 
uh, I'm afraid to uh, admit that in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I work six days a week. I do three, uh, three and a half days a week in Phoenix at our center in Mesa. And then I do three days a week in Yuma, which is uh, about, 100 and, about 180 miles southwest of Phoenix on the California, Mexican, and uh, Arizona borders. Um, and I, I had been here, started my career here many years ago in 2004 and been here for 10 years and been back and forth uh, doing different things in, with different groups. And um, so now, oh, since we're opening up an office and we have now for the past uh, six or eight months uh, here again in, uh, in Yuma to do all the vascular work for peripheral arterial disease, um, I work on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, I've been surprised how many people are very willing to come over on Saturday for procedures uh, in the morning. And, um, and they love it. They love the fact that we have the availability to do that. So yes, every Saturday morning, uh, and that's why it's been a little di- difficult for you to get a hold of me. Um, every Saturday morning I'm doing cases, uh, usually two or three cases. In fact, I'm between, you said, I'm going to get started. I'm actually between the first and second. I just finished wow. my first one and I'm going to do my uh, second one next. Wow. What do you have going on today? What do you, what we have, we have, we have one patient in for um, his initial evaluation and um, arteriogram and intervention on his left leg, which we did. We had mainly below the knee intervention. So we did atherectomy in the anterior tibial and posterior tibial and lateral plantar artery. Um, and then we came back and we shot the um, the right leg and we'll have to do the same thing on that side. So we'll bring it back in about a week and do it then. Oh, wow. Yeah, and- we have one more. We have one more we'll do straight down on the right leg. And Dr. Phillips, you're no exception to the rule here. I can't tell you how many times you've been on call over the weekends, but also even last weekend when you were spending your time teaching other doctors. You're not only supporting patients and and applying what you learned, but you're also helping other doctors and taking time out of your personal life. I know you have a family that you committed last weekend to flying into Boston to work with Cook Medical to work with other patient other doctors um, on cutting edge skills. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it just goes without saying when you, it, like in The Godfather, right, this is the business we've chosen. That's yep. that quote. And we we take call, we work on weekends. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, you're kind of on 24-7, whether you like it or not. And if I could just share a story, you know, sometimes, Kim, we'll talk about what happened to us during the week. And we had a, it just goes to show how difficult it is for some patients to get adequate care. We had a gentleman that came in who uh, we weren't able to save, save his piggies. And something we talk about the high percentage of patients that come in with vascular issues that don't get intervention or treatment that they need and oftentimes get a major amputation. And this gentleman, he was, he was so far gone that, you know, we're pretty aggressive in our group. Like I imagine Dr. Minkus, but there was nothing we could, we could do for him. And it's really sad when you have to not only tell the patient that I'm sorry, you know, Mr. Smith is going to be losing his leg, but then you tell his wife and the, their children, it's, it's totally devastating. So it's it's cases like that 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 re, that reinforce the need for for what the weight of my heart does in raising awareness and education for patients and families. Right, but but John, um, in, in in light of what you're saying, um, I think you and I and and uh, doctors that do the kind of work that we do, um, we feel a real sense of obligation, uh, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or Friday night or Wednesday night. It doesn't really make a difference if we know that we're kind of the last line of defense before they they lose their their legs or they lose their feet or they lose uh, toes. Um, I'm just willing, I made the, the mental decision, decision years ago when I started getting into this in the early teens, um, that this is a limb saving and therefore life saving procedure. And it really puts the onus on us to make sure we can do everything we can for them. So you have, uh, uh, I, I have, I have a family that I deal with as well. I know you do too. And I'm glad that you're taking this today off to spend some time on the soccer field. Really, that actually makes me feel good. 
But um, yes, uh, the things that we do, Kim, and the reason that you've chosen us is because we really have committed to making sure these patients can keep their legs and, and save their save their limbs and save their lives. So we're, we're always on. We are always on. We're always available. My cell phone is always out there. And, you know, all a patient asks for is a little bit of hope and that one good try. And that really leads us into what we were going to be talking about today, which is shocking things that patients say and doctors say. And I'm going to lead us into break with just this one example that that will get us into the into the flow and some food for thought. But all these patients want us for you to try. And it's so shocking when a doctor says to a patient, hey, it's not possible to treat below the knee ever. It's ineffective. So you just walk, walk, walk. And when you can't walk anymore, we're just going to cut off your legs. So you just let me know. And when we ask for the referral to say, hey, what? maybe there's another doctor. I don't need a referral, Kim. I don't need a referral, patient. I have conviction in my diagnosis and treatment plan. I'm the head of vascular surgery for the entire facility. There's no one that will say different. Totally shocking. And on that note, we will be right back. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Before we went to break, Kim left us with quite a cliffhanger there. And, And I think if I can summarize it, it's the notion of a patient regardless of what their medical um, issue is, going to see a physician and maybe not agreeing with the physician's assessment or potentially the physician um, being so steadfast in, in, in their diagnosis or treatment plan that there's only one way and it's their way or the highway. I think, you know, Kim, we have dedicated multiple shows to patient advocacy and education. And I, and I think you just summarize that. A patient always deserves a second opinion. Right. The patient always deserves the right to have a family member there as counsel for them and ask the right questions. And I think if you have a physician, frankly, that doesn't want to answer questions or feels threatened by suggestions, then maybe you might want to find somebody else to, to that's going to help you with your care. That's my thought. Yeah. And Dr. Minkus, do you want to chime in on that? Um, well, yeah, what John said is absolutely true. Uh, it's, I think it's a point well taken. And um, you and I have talked about this over the past couple of years, actually, 
about having the disappointment of hearing that somebody has said to another uh, patient, there's nothing more we can do for you. There's nothing more that can be done. So unfortunately, we'll have to set you up for an amputation. And um, really, uh, all patients should understand that um, having things done in a minimally invasive environment with interventional radiologists or interventional cardiologists that are really good at doing these procedures, um, that should be the last line of defense, no matter who they're talking to. They should go to an interventionalist, see uh, what they can do, even if they're able to push through and open up some of the vessel and not all of it. They may be able to save uh, an above knee to get a below knee amputation. They may be able to save a below knee to get only a a transmetatarsal amputation, and they may be able to save the toes altogether. So if you can do anything, going to an interventionalist, interventional radiology, interventional cardiology, or good at what they do, um, you have to search them out. That should be the last line of defense before you start to consider accepting the comment of there's nothing more that can be done. Yeah, we even have Marie who's who's sitting here online commenting. She said, you know, she had a doctor, had a vascular surgery who said that amputation was the only option. And she came to us and we were able to get her to someone who had a different option for her. And she was able to consistently, you know, save her leg and is continuing to fight for her piggies. And we have Tabitha that is on the line. Tabitha, um, do you have any experiences with uh, shocking things that a doctor has said to you? Yeah, when I was originally diagnosed, it came because of uh, stress tests that they did and an ABI in the hospital. When I went to my primary care physician, we specifically asked her, you know, where's the blockage? How bad is it? What do we need to do? Her answer to me was, well, we don't know where it is. And I'm like, okay, so how bad is it? She goes, we don't know. Says your toes aren't blue. It's not 100%. You're fine. And that was the response we got. I had to fight for months to be able to be sent to a vascular surgeon. When I finally got sent to our vascular specialist, I had a 95% blockage in my abdominal aorta. Wow. But she didn't ever bother to do any tests to figure out where that was. And it was... Tabitha, I, I, I would just... Tabitha, I would just comment that... Uh, like as Dr. Minkus was saying, we might be the last line of defense, but the primary care physicians are kind of the first uh, line of defense, so to speak. And uh, oftentimes we spend a lot of time in our community trying to educate primary care physicians, APPs about vascular disease. Uh, Our health system has put out some videos uh, to kind of do that. But again, there's knowledge gaps with everybody. And uh, it sounds like you advocated for yourself and, and ultimately got some help, which is the most important thing. Good for you. That's inspiring, Tabitha. Thank you for, for jumping on. Uh, no problem. You know, doctors say a lot of things all the time, but you know, us as patients, we have a few of our moments and I want to share, you know, God rest my, my mom who passed away recently, but it was so cute. She was in the, with the vascular surgeon and she liked him so much and was so impressed that he was so thorough that she actually said, you know, so what do you think of this in my scalp? You know, I have this redness in my scalp and it was adorable. And he looked at her and he's like, well, I don't treat scalps, but it means a lot to me that you would even, (laughs) that you liked me enough and had enough faith in me (laughs) to want to check your scalp. But the funny thing is, is that he did in fact have a cream that he was able to give her. (laughs) That's awesome. I've got a real quick story to share. And this has nothing to do with vascular disease, but I was doing a heart cath on a patient and she had gotten a little bit of sedation. So sometimes folks either don't say much or they start speaking a lot. 
and the patient was was speaking in somehow we got into what she did uh, for a living. And uh, she said, well, do you ever call those like one nine, seven, six numbers, you know, speak to a woman? (laughs) I said, "Um, no, I really don't. And this was kind of, we're doing the case and people start looking at each other. And she says, well, I'm, I, that's me. I'm, I'm one of those women that make those phone calls. Did you recognize your voice? (laughs) Yes, right. Do you call in? (laughs) I I had to take a step back. I'm like, that's a first for me. This is a good one. (laughs) That is amazing. Then along those lines, Dr. Minkus, share with us uh, your favorite patient uh, story. Well, I just had one recently um, that came through on a lady that was younger. I think she was in her, uh, I think she's in her early 40s or late, late 30s, 39, 41, 42, somewhere in there. And um, uh, she called me from um, actually about uh, almost three hours north. And uh, she had heard about me through Kim and she wanted to come down and see me. Um, we did an evaluation on her and worked up her legs. And she did have some significant um, blockage narrowing in her legs from about mid-thigh, lower thigh, uh, across the uh, femoral uh, artery, superficial femoral artery, across the popliteal at the knee, and then down uh, her uh, posterior tibial along her calf and into her foot. And so I was kind of surprised at such a young age. She told me that her family had heart disease issues like this in the past. And her father or her uncle had lost part of their toes and she was concerned about it. She was genetically linked. We found that that was the case and we went and treated her. So we treated the left leg first and she came back. We treated the right leg next. Um, and I called her on a follow-up to see how she was doing because I usually talk to my patients. And um, she said she's doing wonderfully and um, her legs are feeling great. And she was very happy about it. Um, she said things are healing fine. She's got a little bit of ache in one of the legs that's getting better but I know that was a di- more difficult leg to do. And she was very happy overall. Thank you very much. This is wonderful. I'll see you and follow up in the next couple of weeks. And then she hung up and then she texted me about a week later. And she said, um, I just want to let you know that you saved my marriage. <laughs> oh, wow. I said, okay. No, this I didn't realize what, so this is, John, this should be written up. We should do research on this, I think. Um, <laughs> I said, I don't know how I did that. I'm happy to hear that you're happy, but how did I save your marriage? She says, now that my legs feel so much better and they're lighter and they're more flexible, my sex life is amazing. <laughs> That's a, that was a first for us. It really was a first for us. But it's honestly a top three topic that we get and a question that we get in our group that people are discussing. And we never hear it talked about in the mainstream. And the fact, though, that she brought it to your attention, I yes. thought took a lot of courage, a little like, Whoa, I've never heard that before. But well, she she had a minor filter, but most of it just came right out. Um, I didn't I didn't get any tips or any, you know, any videos or anything. But I did get that to hear that uh, the flexibility of her legs, the the, the um, lack of uh, cramping, the lack of pain and her ability to be able to move around the situation, if you know what I'm saying, um, has, has made her and her husband so much happier and brought them closer. And she feels that it saved her marriage. And when they came down to see me recently, uh, for a checkup, they were holding hands and they were kissing and they were on top. I mean, it was just, it was like two, like you get two, like 16 year olds that just met, you know? So I was very happy. I was very happy to see that we were able to achieve that. I've never, I think I'm going to put that in my resume. Between between that and then last week's show, Kim, people might get the wrong impression about what we're here talking about. <laughs> well, John, we could advertise this. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it will work, but it was a, it was a first for me, but I was really happy for her. She was just beaming and, and uh, her marriage is doing wonderfully now. You know what? Honestly, when they talk about trying to get more people to come forward and get tested for PAD, I think that's a huge selling point. (laughs) Could be. 
It could be. We can mention it now. We can even bring it up. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. So we kind of ended that last segment talking about, uh, well, uh, the ability for Dr. Minkus to kind of help <laughs> a patient, uh, their, their, their sex life. And so I'm going to real quickly share a cute story. I saw a gentleman, very functional 88 year old individual who had an aortic aneurysm. So a bulge in his aorta, which was, it was pretty big. And Kim, I know this is near and dear to your heart. And we kind of hemmed and hawed about whether or not we should treat this given his age, you know, some people just don't want any procedures, but he he wanted it done. So we fixed it. He did fine. I've seen him now for multiple years. He's been married. Uh, I think he's married at least 60 some odd years. So last year when I saw him, he's now in his 90s. And, uh, you know, typically as it goes, we're talking about how you're doing. Things are great, et cetera. And he tells me, um, hey, um, you know, Doc, my wife wants to ask you something. I'm like, OK, sure. You know, what 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 would you like to share? She said, well, hey, can you can you can you give him a little bit of something for the bedroom? And I looked at two of them. I said, wait, wait you're 90? 90? Yes. I hope I'm he, right there at 90 years old. And he old. just, he just has this big grin on his face. And he's like, well, Doc, she's just like a teenager. <laughs> I, said, <"Okay." laughs> uh, I said, why don't you talk to your primary care doctor about that one? <laughs> but those are the most rewarding moments, right? They are. It, it, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. You're, you're all about helping patients to live a better quality of life, whatever that means to them. And when you hear someone that says that, hey, you know what? More power, More to, power you. to you. Exactly. <laughs> Nurse practitioner Kay, you've been patiently waiting to chime in. Do you have an interesting story to tell us? Oh, I've got a lifetime of interest. <laughs> you probably have a lot. 40 uh, years as a nurse practitioner, you might have one or two. I, we, I, we, we had a patient who I was recommending sort of um, nutritional therapy and she'd spent a fortune on supplements um, for her, her body because she thought she had pad. And when I recommended a certain tea, she said, oh, no, I can't have that. I said, why not? She said, it burnt a hole in the back of my throat. Hibiscus tea. Did it really burn a hole in the back of her throat? Well, 
she had a hole at the back of her throat. She had the hole in the back of her neck. But basically, we'd sent her to the best vascular surgeon that we could send her to. She went. But the next day, she went to the hairdresser. And the hairdresser was a dropout student from medical school. And the hairdresser told her that I had misdiagnosed her and told her to go to another vascular surgeon. And he would fix her, especially the hole in the back of their throat. A so medical what, dropout turned... Yeah, the medical stylist. Yeah, she gotcha. used it. Yeah, the our doctors. Maybe, maybe uh, as my the, dad would say, maybe she had a hole in her head. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm assuming she didn't have a hole in her throat or her neck at all. So she no, didn't have yeah. any. We've um, we've also had somebody who we gave advice to, um, who we were basically looking after, and it's a long story. But to cut it short, it was nerve entrapment. Um, the gentleman who was undoing the nerve entrapment actually damaged one of the arteries. So she was sent to a vascular surgeon. Vascular surgeon, unfortunately, made it worse. Um, and she had um, a necrotic bone at the, at the top of her foot. And this patient chose to have a leg cut off because she thought it was going to be the answer. And she had a goodbye leg party with banners all over her house and a cake that said goodbye leg. Oh, this is the same one. We actually did have a doctor we could send her to that was willing to say and said her leg could be saved. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that is not good. She kept it off. (laughs) And one more really quick one before we get to, we have Dave that is in Indianapolis that wants to jump on, but Kate, one more story. I think that you should tell really quickly about a, the doctor over in Europe um, the doctor in Europe, which one's that? <laughs> the one that didn't use any sedation on one of our patients. Oh, yeah. There was a doctor. He's not in Europe. He's in the UK. Um, oh. I won't say where. Um, he was doing an early accident and he used no sedation, no painkillers. The patient was screaming out in agony. The nurse beside her was holding her hand saying, I'm so sorry. And the nurse was crying. The patient was screaming at him as he's doing the iliac, trying to clear it out. And she said, you're an absolute barbarian. You're barbaric what you're doing to me. And the answer came back from the doctor. If I don't make at least one patient or one nurse cry every single day, I'm not doing my job well. For real. This is a real story. You know, and it's interesting because I tell other physicians and clinicians about these things and they say, no, 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 that's an isolated incident. And I said, actually, we have more of these situations than you realize. Uh, We have only a couple minutes left. I want to get to Dave in Indianapolis. Dave. Yeah. Hi. Uh, Thanks for taking the call, Kim. Sure. Um, You know, we're talking about things that doctors say. I'm in the uh, uh, medical device industry. And I was at a conference recently, and they were talking about second opinions. So the physician's up on the podium. He's got his PowerPoint going, and he has this slide that says, how important are second opinions? And, um, and it says, as clinicians and surgeons, we would never accept a diagnosis or recommendation for surgery without a second opinion, either from another clinician or through our own research. But then he went on to offer tricks and tips on how to prevent the patient from getting that second opinion. Why? He he said, well, he said, look, we don't want to seem fallible. So, you know, we're supposed to know it all. And and good golly, if the patient goes and gets a 
a differing opinion, we might even lose that patient. So while he tries to encourage the patients to get the second opinion, he doesn't say that makes it seem like they're really just going to say what I'm saying anyway. So, you know, of course you're welcome to go get a second opinion, uh, but, uh, you know, this is what they're going to say, and that's just the way it's going to be. So anyway, I was shocked that, that a physician scared. would would employ such techniques to try to prevent uh, a patient from getting a second opinion. Anyway, that's that's just my little shocking tidbit to, to offer to you. And I was probably in the audience with, oh, 50 or 60 other physicians, and no one else seemed shocked by this. In fact, they all seemed quite interested with these techniques to prevent the patient from getting a second opinion. Anyway, that's terrible. That's well, I'm, I'm a listening. little shocked, and we build our the way to my heart, our nonprofit. Where, you know, we promote advocacy and getting a second opinion. Holy cow! I think, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, in the next twenty seconds here, I'll just say, yeah, we all like as physicians, we like to think that our our diagnosis and treatment plan is the best one out there, but that's not true. There's always more than one way to to approach something, and, and I have no problems if a patient seeks a, seeks a second opinion because I get a lot of them myself. So it's just the way of the world, and patients should really advocate for themselves. And we're going to go to break, and next segment, Kim, is Save My Piggies, correct? Yes. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. Stay- Medical Notepad. Brought to you by Patient Advocacy Organizations, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and The Way to My Heart. My name is Dr. John Runback from American Endovascular and Amputation Prevention. Why does PAD cause leg cramping when walking, exercising, or climbing stairs? Well, PAD, or peripheral artery disease, is caused by the buildup of plaque or cholesterol in the arteries of the legs, hardening of the arteries, similar to the same process that occurs in the heart's arteries and causes heart attacks, where it's called coronary artery disease. In the legs, well, you don't need much blood flow at rest. As you exercise, the muscles demand more blood flow. If you get a buildup of hardening of the arteries or plaques obstructing the arteries, then when you walk or exercise or try to go upstairs, the demands of the muscle for increased blood flow can't be met. You have blockages in your arteries. And in response, the muscles cramp. That's their sign to you that something is wrong that you need to see a vascular physician. Medical Notepad is a series for educational and informational purposes only. Advice offered is not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this series without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to standagainstamputation.com and for peripheral artery disease support, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome to the Save My Piggies segment. This is our segment dedicated to patient advocacy and really allows patients to tell their vascular story to us. We have somewhat of a frequent flyer on today, Mr. Douglas, who's our Save My Piggies guest. He's going to share with us his story. And Douglas, we kind of 
touched on this last week a little bit, but the first symptoms that you had were related to, and I thought we weren't going to talk about this anymore, but, you know, sexual performance. And, you know, ultimately you were able to kind of put two and two together that maybe some of the symptoms and, and other issues that you were having were related to peripheral arterial disease. Is, is that right, Douglas? Yeah, there, I was working two jobs and I was mowing about 12 yards a month and I fell in a yard and I couldn't feel my leg, my left leg. And it was that moment that I decided I needed to have it looked at. Your primary care physician immediately diagnosed it no, as we went, we disease? Went, we went through a couple of things. And then I, I, at some point I did tell him that I just can't walk anymore. I'm having trouble walking. And he said, well, we need to get you to somebody. And that's when. But it was a couple months, maybe four months after I went to him the first time. Oh, wow. And a lot could happen between them. So what happened when you went to the vascular surgeon for the first time? Uh, he said, we, you're totally blocked in your aorta and your iliacs, and we'll go in and put stents. He put stents in, and what, three months later, they were blocked, something like that. And then he did the first surgery, which he cut me from top to the groin, and that failed. And that's where I got ended up with the axial bifemoral. So you had an aorto bifemoral bypass which goes yes. from the top of your aorta, what, to, I'm going to let Dr. Phillips describe some of these, what, to the yeah, below yeah, so the groin. Yeah, so basically, you know, he went through the first procedure, which was the non-invasive way, uh, stents, those failed. Then he had the aorta bifem, uh, which basically, to your point, Kim, yes, you base, you kind of reroute the blood flow using a prosthetic graft from the aorta to the arteries in, in each growing area. So that's why we call it bi for two and femoral is the femoral artery. And then the doctor said he couldn't clean that out. So then he did what's called an axillo bifemoral bypass, which goes from the shoulder of the axillo artery um, and then splits off at the groin, what into both legs. And then that yeah. locked out. Did he give you any sort of medication, um, pharmaceutical therapy along with uh, doing these procedures, oh, we, which is standard of care? We went from one right into the other one. Wow, so, so no medicines, no statins, no blood thinners, nothing. Nothing in between. I was laying on the table and I was out when he did the axial bifemoral. He called my brother and said he's going to lose his leg unless I do this. And that wow. was all. Yeah. yeah, Douglas, the axial bifem, that that's what we call an extra anatomical bypass. So it doesn't follow the normal flow patterns in the body. And it's kind of a last ditch effort. And, and what I would say just for the listeners out there, when we do these procedures, patients need to be on medications to maybe thin the blood, uh, right. maybe thin up the platelets uh, and, and cholesterol medications and things of that nature. So that's really not if this that's not the standard of care not to be on those medications. Exactly. And, and that was likely one of the reasons why it continued to block. They also did they tell you to change your lifestyle? Did you have any contributing factors based on your lifestyle that could have led to some plaque buildup? I, I was smoke. I did smoke at that time, but I did. I was stopping smoking, but he didn't say anything about anything. And when I went back to him, after I met y'all. He has said he said I had one job was to get blood flow. And that's my job. Thank you. See you later. Wow. So I have to ask, Douglas, because before the break, we were making sure your signal was stable and you were walking around. You're obviously ambulating well and you look pretty healthy. What ultimately happened here? Because 
Uh, I imagine if you still had all these occlusions, you wouldn't be moving as well as you are right now. Well, right now, you know, I can't wear blue jeans. I can't wear a belt. I'm having trouble driving. I Now I have this heart condition and I can't sleep on my right side because I was told here at, through another doctor that he put it in the wrong place. The axial bifemoral bypass graft. Yes. Um, and so every time he sits down, it's cutting off blood flow. They said to the CFA, they said from the top, it's also caused this subclavian steel syndrome, kind of a backwash. And it was putting mm-hmm. pressure on his heart. So he's now been diagnosed with apical hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy, which they said is extremely rare. So they put a defibrillator mm-hmm. in him. He's just had one thing after another, but nurse practitioner K has been able to educate the doctors, the cardiologists that work with them, that lack of blood flow in the legs can also contribute and put pressure on, on, on the heart as well. And with the PT scan I just had, now I have prostate problems. And it, it, it seems like from the moment he did this procedure, I've had nothing but trouble. Yeah, you've been re-cleared. His original aortic femoral by- bypass has now been cleared right. and it's dented. Unfortunately, his renal artery is now blocked. He has, after last week's program, his CT scan showed that his prostate's um, enlarged. Um, he's also got emphysema in his left lung. And I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, so there's just a lot that's really, it's like one thing after another. And it it really comes down to, right, Douglas, that it's about getting that second opinion sooner rather than later. He found the way to my heart. And at that point, we were able to have a highly skilled advanced doctor, such as yourself, Dr. Phillips, go in and be able to, one, bypass the aortobifemoral bypass on one side and then be able to clear out um, the the graft on the other side, and there was no need for the axlo um, graft at all. And so, if he had only gotten a second opinion, so you know, Douglas, what is your message to other folks who are out there that you know maybe in a similar situation as you? That number one, that's the number one thing. Make sure you get a second opinion, no matter what. Even with even my the the doctor that cleared me out, Doctor Z in Houston. He said, if you need to get a second opinion, get a second opinion. Make sure you get a second opinion before you have any bypass done, any bypass from any. And I think Dr. Phillips has talked about that before. He, he just said it. It has no issues with somebody getting a second opinion because there are more ways now. The technology is out there now that you don't have to do these things anymore. And the second part of it is that I think is really important is that your your leg doctor, your interventional radiologist who was clearing your legs, Dr. Z, you mentioned out of Houston, he ended up, uh, you went in for a leg procedure and he said, wait a minute, we need to get your heart checked. And he was the first person that said, I think that there's something going on with your heart and sent you immediately over there or else you would have never known. Yeah, we were fixing to go in, and he was fixing it that day to go in and do my left leg. And they put me, they put those EKG things on me, and my heart was all over the place. And he said, nope, you're having a, a, a moment. We can't do this. And they sent me straight to the hospital. Yeah, and that, that's a good, that's a great point, because 
we've talked about this before. Folks that have, there's about 220 million people worldwide that have peripheral arterial disease. And then there's overlap with peripheral arterial disease and cardiovascular disease of almost 40%. And so your physician needs to recognize not only one, the PAD aspect of it, but then also that overlap with possibly cardiovascular involvement. And then there's also cerebrovascular involvement too, that people can have strokes. So these folks are very sick. They have a lot of medical problems and they need a good quarterback in their healthcare um, kind of field, so to speak. And it's important again, to find the right doctor. And Douglas, you've been such an inspiration. And if anyone wants to follow Douglas in his journey, and he also is now the way to my heart's uh, head of our walking program because he's such an inspiration to so many people, despite all that's going on. He is out there walk, walk, walking every single day and inspiring nearly 600 other fellow pad warriors to do the same. You can just uh, download the Peripheral Artery Disease app on either Google Play or the iPhone and join him there. Douglas, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have more The Heart of Innovation coming up in just a moment, so stay with us. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everyone. We're about ready to wrap up this fantastic show, in my opinion. We've just kind of been sharing stories about what doctors say and patients say that are kind of shockers and um we have uh, Michelle on the line. Is that right? Uh, you're going to share a story with us. Welcome, sure. Michelle. Long journey, but we'll make it quick. Um, right. Started with largely unnecessary toe amputation on the left side. They're like, it's just a little toe. You're not going to miss it. It's not going to matter. They uh, suspected osteomyelitis, took the toe off, found out not osteomyelitis. Oh, no. So, hmm, I'm diabetic. So, so osteomyelitis is just an infection in the bone that's bone really difficult to treat. So oftentimes an amputation yes. is needed. So go ahead. Yeah, this is after, well, I didn't have it. <laughs> so this Assuming was after you know, a long wound care journey. Yeah. So And um, hyperbaric oxygen and nothing was really working. So they took the toe off and um, guess what happened? It didn't heal because there's something else going on they didn't know about. So we endured wound care again, and um, eventually we had some progress with with it healing. Then the next step is a little while down the road, another wound opened up below the surgical incision. So back to wound care we go. And um, at this time, they're like, oh, diabetes. And here my A1C measure of your blood sugar over three months was right around seven, which is certainly not perfect, but it's certainly not bad for a diabetic. So again, di- blaming the diabetes on and on, we went with wound care with no progress, multiple antibiotics, all kinds of things. Um, he just fooled around for months and months and eventually uh, it blew up and turned blue. And at this point I'm like, you know what? We need to do something here more aggressive. And he's like, all right, well, if we get you into the hospital, they'll give you IV antibiotics. I'm like, okay. So we get to the hospital uh, this is about a year and a half ago. IV antibiotics did nothing. Nothing did anything. I'm in horrible pain. No one's doing anything. But I've and been doing. Still have not diagnosed you with peripheral artery disease, which Correct. is that restricted Nor have I even had a scan. So at this point, I'd been doing my reading. You know, I'm kind of an academic, and this wound is acting like an arterial wound in every way possible. 
Um, so I started flipping out, literally flipping out in the hospital. I fired the attending physician. I said, this is discrimination against people with a disease, diabetes. You need to get me a vascular consult right now. And if you don't, I'm calling a press conference. Um, <laughs> for you. The doctor came in, did we upset you? I'm like, you get the hell out of my room and get me somebody that knows something. So they send me a vascular guy and they put me in the machine and they find out that I am 90% blocked throughout that leg, all through the lower region, all through the, the SFA is 90% blocked. In the thigh. Mm-hmm. In the thigh. So, gee, I wonder why the wound's not healing. So um, they released me from the hospital. I go to the vascular guy. He goes in and cleans it out with, an, with angioplasty with a um, Paxtil-coated balloon. Drug-coated balloon. We only have 30 seconds left. Yeah, we got 30 seconds. The wound heals. Wow. Fantastic. Amazing. You know, that, that, that no, your wait, story. Wait, wait. A very short, not- very short thing I got to add. So it reoccluded and I met Kim, got a specialist um, who then went in and put stents in. And um, we're well on the way to having a normal life finally. Oh, that's so awesome. You fought for it. What a great way to end this really inspiring show. Don't you think, doctor? I think so. It's not an uncommon story. I mean, honestly, I hear that all the time. But again, every episode we have, we're always raising awareness, patient advocacy, education, um, you know, keep keep carrying the flag, Kim. Keep carrying the flag. Keep fighting. Keep listening to your heart and just fight for your right to live a better quality of life. And next week we have more. And your stories. right to party. Fight for your right to party, too. Kim. Yes, exactly. <laughs> On that note, have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only and advice and... This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.